Welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and future of the next generation. I'm your host, Sojo, and in this season of the podcast, we're talking about what it means to be more human and lead humans in the tension. We're so excited for you to listen to this message by Charlie Condor at Orange Conference. Charlie is an Orange specialist and has worked with students for over 22 years in education and ministry settings. She served in the local United Methodist Church since 2004. During her time in ministry, she coached adult volunteers to consistently lead small groups, organize large middle school ministry worship experiences, and led an on-campus ministry program at a local middle school. We can't wait for you to get to learn from her, so let's dive in. So I am very passionate about serving, very passionate. And I wanna tell you why, not as a youth worker, but as a parent. My daughters are 23. One grew up and lived in my house her entire life. The other daughter, God sent her to me when she was in high school. Totally different church experiences. My daughter Hadley, when she was in middle school, served in our preschool ministry as a small group leader with Mr. Mark, who generously, I will say 60. I'm pretty sure he's probably older than that. But she served with Mr. Mark. The night before, they're on the phone with Mr. Mark, making sure they have all their supplies. She has read over her lesson. She is prepared to teach when she's in sixth grade. That was huge for her. Then when she went to high school, she picked up fifth graders in our preteen ministry and followed them all the way to eighth grade. When she graduated from high school, she's in college at Georgia State, she would come home. Every time she was home, she called those girls. Those girls are seniors. They still have ice cream dates with my daughter. So my daughter Hadley, her faith totally was just so grounded in serving. She heard a lot of good sermons in her life, guys. I was her pastor. She's heard a lot. (laughs) She's heard a lot of really good sermons. She had some really great retreat experiences. She's been to some great events. I want to be really honest as a youth pastor, I don't think any of that has anything to do with her current faith as a 23-year-old adult. I think it was just serving. My other daughter, Malia, she didn't grow up in a church. She grew up in a church that was a consumer church. They showed up, they hung out, they left. I can't get her to go to church. Hadley is like, hey, when are you building a house? What are you doing? Like, how can I participate? So as a parent, I wanted you to hear that from me as practitioners, that I think it made such a big difference. And to see it on this side matters, I believe. So teenagers serving humans. Teenagers are humans. Sometimes we forget that. And when a teenager serves, it changes how people see them. It changes how they see themselves. And we all know that teenagers are struggling with who they are, where they belong, and what their purpose is, right? But I believe that teenagers finally understand their pieces of identity, not from what you're teaching them, but how you're treating them. And as ministry leaders, our job is to move teenagers in our ministries into a bigger faith story, right? We need to teach them the significance of God But we get so caught up in that sometimes that we, I'd say this so gingerly, I think, we need to help them understand their experience in God's story. They need to see something bigger than like what's right in front of them. Especially mental health right now, y'all know, I'm paying for a lot of therapy for my kids, and everybody is. 
So teaching them that what is here and right now, there's so much bigger things for them. Of course, we want to teach them solid doctrine, theology, right? We want to create engaging experiences for them. We, we want to connect them with beautiful leaders who love them. Orange wouldn't be doing all that if we didn't believe in that, right? However, there has to be more to the story because what is happening, students are graduating, right? But they're not just graduating high school, they're graduating their faith. So when Fuller was doing their research for their Sticky Faith, y'all familiar with Sticky Faith? Okay. They found out that roughly 50% of students walk away from church and God after high school. That's alarming. We all know that, right? And at some point, I believe our student ministries got really good at retreats and events and conferences. And all of those things did not increase the chance that their stu- our students' faith would carry over to college. I think what it has done, y'all don't hate me, but I think all it has done is let students look back on our ministries with fond memories. Yeah. Like that's really just it. There's something in students that, in their DNA, that has, they want adventure. They want risk. My friend Stuart Hall says students are anxious to matter, and that is it, right? And they want to make a difference. So, teenagers want to engage with humanity. They want to be a part of that. I am not suggesting that you run out and change all of your programming. That's not what I'm saying. But at the center of your programming, I think we need to make serving the priority. And when you think about that, your filter changes and how you see your ministry changes. What if, what if, stay with me here, what if the adult groups, the mission committees, I'm sorry, I'm a Methodist, we have 6,000 committees, okay? Um, So I could just go on and any other method, I know my friend Miles is here, more Methodist, okay, yeah, you know how it is, trustees, you know, all them people, right? But if we get all those people together and ask this question, how can we help our teenagers identify their potential? What if that's the question that you take to all the adults in your church? Because when the adults in your church realize that a student's sense of purpose, identity, and belonging is connected to what they do and how they serve, all the conversations will change. I really believe that. A teenager will not feel significant until they're given something significant to do. And friends, I need you to, this is why I do want to speak to students. Can I see your eyes, please? That is not setting up chairs and doing a yard sale. I just need for everybody in this room to be on the same page. That is not what this is, okay? Now, the next thing I'm going to say is going to ruffle some feathers, but don't just shut me out. I want you to hear the whole thing. Please know that I know that Sunday school is a sacred cow. I know this. Every church that I've been on staff in in the last 20 years, Sunday school is a thing, all right? But what if we canceled Sunday morning programming for high school students so that there was an intentional space for them to serve? What if, okay, what if canceling Sunday school started a conversation with parents so that parents understood how their kids' purpose, identity, and belonging was tied to serving? And then, oh, I'm getting risky up here. And then maybe parents would begin to understand 
that what serving can do in the life of their student, Sunday school could never, right? Where that is impossible, because I know some of you are like, oh, we got to do Sunday school. I get that. But what if it was an every other Sunday? What if it was Sunday serving, Sunday school serving, right? What if you alternate it? Like instead of just shutting it down, I really believe that we have to rethink what we're doing for the sake of the generation who's going to leave your ministry. And I believe that these students need to understand what the church is supposed to be while they're at church so they know how to be the church when they leave. So I'm a practitioner. I love practical things. I hate going to conferences where I don't learn anything practical. So here we go. Where is this possible? This list up here, I don't know if you have liturgists at your church. My last full-time paid church job, <laughs> the, the guy I followed said, all the students want to be liturgists in the Sunday morning service. I was like, no, they don't. And, I was, and all I could think of is I'm going to be chasing these people all around the church. I don't know them, and they're going to need to sign up. And I was wrong they clamored to be the liturgist. They tried to outdress the pastor. The pastor would post pictures of him on social media. It was a thing. They showed up on a Sunday morning at 6.45 a.m. for the staff meeting before service. The culture was being a liturgist is a really big deal. And they did that in our two classic services. Y'all know I'm a Methodist just by my words, right? So regular sanctuary, high and holy church, they loved it. Middle schoolers were acolytes and crucifers. If you don't know what that is, see me afterwards. You might be a non-denomination. You're like, what's an acolyte? It's just a really fancy word where they light the candles. I flipped out. I had never seen that happen. And props to that youth pastor because the culture they cultivated, it was like their own small groups, right? And we all know how important a small group is. Hospitality team, if you've not met a cheerleader that can Pinterest the crap out of everything, who, who can make a better backdrop for Mother's Day? High schooler, right? A high schooler. Why are we not inviting them to be on the hospitality team, to invite them into that space? They can do more than make the coffee. At my very first church, Miss Barbara stood at the door. She's hugged everybody that walked in at our 11 o'clock service, and a student always served with her. And then Miss Barbara was like their champion, right? And would tell everybody, have you met David? Right? And would be like showing them off like, well, they've been, yeah, okay. But right? But doing these things are crazy. Small group leader for preschool, kids men, worship for kid men. What if they were the kid men worship leaders? What if they ran, they ran tech and sound for kid men? Big church? I think that's where we tend to plug them in at, but is that where they want to be? The next one, I think there are a lot of high school students that have really high emotional intelligence. And we're missing that because we're not tapping into that. But they could be in our special needs spaces. Why not? They love well. They love really well. Okay, and who doesn't want to drive the golf cart? I mean, every high schooler wants to drive the golf cart. So of course we want them on the parking team. These are like super simple, probably things that you've already doing, but past the list, it's the culture, right? It's the culture of what you're cultivating in the ministry. 
I'm here today to tell you I would never have believed students would have showed up at 6.45 a.m. on a Sunday morning dressed with bow ties. Girls had to wear closed-toed shoes. Like, it was a thing. Liturgist. Blows my mind. So I am a ministry coach full-time, and as a coach, I ask a lot of questions. Some of my coaches in the room just like making eyes at me because she knows that. But also I'm an eight on the Enneagram and I ask a lot of questions. And so I ask questions because I think a lot of times we have answers inside of us that we didn't know about until the right question has been asked. So this is how this is going to go. I want to ask some good questions and I want you to take pictures of them because I think it's the best way for you to go back and think about how to implement and make serving a priority. I've never done a breakout that was just questions, but it's going to be awesome. So just here we go. All right. What if we need to change the measurement of success from sitting to serving? Y'all, we feel the pressure to count. Amen. Counting to people matters in our churches. But what if we started counting differently? Instead of counting how many people are showing up in your programming, what if the count was how many people are serving? And not just inside the walls of the church, we're talking outside the walls of the church as well. Small group leaders instrumental in this because they know what students are doing because they have that personal relationship. So get your small group leaders to understand serving in their small groups and have them have the conversations. What percentage of the students that show up in a given week in your ministry are actually plugged into serving? That's a big question. To like sit through and process, what would that be? All right, what if we improved our ministry structure to better support students serving? Now, I believe that this question is what's going to be the game changer in ministries. That could change your focus, your structure, your budget, That question is a catalyst for concrete changes. This is not ideology. Like, this is a concrete thing. So if you think through this lens, is your programming structured in a way that make it easier or more difficult for teenagers to serve? That's a really good question, friends. And when you ask it, with your team or whoever you process with. I was thinking about this in my last church where I was the volunteer unappreciated youth pastor. I think this question would have ruffled feathers, right? Because, well, of course we have opportunities to serve. Well, what are they? All right, here we go. How can you adjust your strategy and structure to where the focus isn't just helping them know the significant story of God, but also help them experience their significant role in the story of God? We do not want them to look back on our ministry in this warm, fuzzy feeling. We want them to carry on ministry way beyond our walls. I could talk about how unprepared kids are for college all day long. My daughter's freshman year, this is a sidebar, my daughter's freshman year of college, I called my high school guy, we had worked together for eight years, and I called him sobbing. I'm like, we failed at this. I thought we were killing it. It's so weird when you're a parent and you're on the flip side of a kid that grew up in your ministry who's been involved in the same church since she was in kindergarten. I was at that church for a really long time. And then she goes to college, and I thought we killed it, and we didn't. 
was, it was rough. Okay, so this question, what does this look like seasonally? What does that look like seasonally for you? My friend Jacob, in the back of the room, here's Jacob, everybody look at Jacob. Everybody turn and look, I make him feel uncomfortable. I know he doesn't feel uncomfortable. But Jacob works at YouthWorks. Youth camps in the summer are amazing. They actually have a new camp that I'm gonna say wrong things about, but that you can make it your own so you don't have to fit into a cookie cutter, which amen, right? Yearly events on your church campus, multi-generational service projects. I have a friend, her name is Kate. She was tasked with a multi-generational mission trip and she said, bet. They are taking second graders, the oldest person is 92. She had to rent a rascal, y'all. I might do that. Can you rent a rascal? Yeah, she rented a rascal scooter to take with him on their mission trip in Orlando, Florida. The 92-year-old lady, my, my friend is like, I will get you a hotel room. Thank you so much for coming. She's like, now I want to be where the kids are. I want to be there. 92. Y'all, this woman's going to be the mascot. Is she not? She has no idea how loved she is going to be by the end of the summer. Multi-generational youth mission trips. All right, what about monthly? What if you pause your programming one day a month to continually partner with a local organization and be consistent in that? There is a church in this county in Georgia called the Net Church. They close their doors, lock them one Sunday a month. The entire church goes and serves. Locks the door. Senior pastor came up with it. We're talking like you're risking the offering. I mean, <laughs> right? But that's real. Like how many senior pastors are going to say, we're just going to shut the door. They go and serve. Y'all, that is in the DNA. All right. What about weekly? What can you do weekly with this? Do you have practical solutions for weekly things? Not just a response if someone is interested. What do you strategically have to move people towards serving? Y'all, the annual, the seasonal stuff, I love that. I love a mission trip. But, but is your church communicating verbally or non-verbally that you have a place for students to make a significant impact in the lives of others on a regular basis. Practical step, sit down with your key students. Or my last church, I had six show up all the time. So six students, let's sit down and talk about it, right? Ask them, where are you serving? What are you passionate about? Ask them, what are we doing to keep you from serving? That's a big one. You need to know what your students are passionate about. There's an organization called Kid Boost, and they give a kid $100 and a coach. And those kids raise everything from $200 to $1,800 to $2,000. I was on that website dying. Some 12-year-old boy made cupcakes and made $1,200 for a shelter. And then they recycle that money, another $100 and a coach. You could do that. What are they passionate about? What if we helped other ministries improve their structures to better support students serving? I don't know if y'all know this, but we have competing systems in our churches. I know, shocking. 
But if the high school ministry, the middle school ministry, the kid ministry, and the preschool ministry all meet at the same time, what happens? We cannot create a place where they can serve. We're choosing between sitting and serving without even saying that that's what we're doing. Sometimes we don't have control. Sometimes we do not have control over this, but what if you helped other ministries understand a better structure? Okay, what if you went to the sound tech people that a lot of you probably became over COVID, right? Um, what, if you, what if you went to those people and said, I can help you get volunteers? That's huge. And they're gonna be like, cool, how? Hmm. What if we allowed students in the space? But what if we to help you train them? What, if, what else if happened if we would support them? I call that the Margie Peden. Margie Peden served on my team as the volunteer coordinator. I brought her to Orange Conference. I would take her to different conferences. I was totally hands-off. She trained every student volunteer, gave them an official name tag. There was like a whole thing. And then she supported them in in those roles. So she would support the sound tech people. If they served in preschool, she would say, how can we better support the students serving in your space? What if that's somebody's role? Here's the other thing, they're students. We have to adjust expectations. They are not gonna be like Bob, right? And that's okay that they're not like Bob. But we have to give expectations. One thing we forget, I think, as youth workers, is students don't plan their schedule. Gosh, they don't even know, mom cooks their dinner, they don't know what they're gonna eat tonight till they ask. We forget that. And we get frustrated because they don't show up. But not only do they not make their own schedule, they have curfews, homework, sports, friends, jobs, maybe don't have a car, no transportation. They would love to be there. How are you gonna get them there? We need to help students and support them in more ways than just saying, oh, we have an opportunity for you to be on the tech team. It's gotta be something that maintains. So let's talk about outside the church. I'm really passionate about outside the church. How can you help more students serve in their communities? I think there are two ways to do this. One, you can facilitate it, create work days, fundraising campaigns for outside charities, mission trips, ask small groups to quarterly plan a service project. Let that happen in the small group and then you just facilitate the logistics. And if you don't facilitate it, then just support it. If there's something already happening in your community, come alongside it and be the best cheerleader you could possibly be. It doesn't have to be your thing. Just be a part of it. Here's what I think. If you do mission things like this, you need to spotlight it in your social media, right? We did this thing called worth your time. Be like, hey, my name's Charlie, and I hope these next five minutes are worth your time. And I would just share where I'm serving and what that organization does. And then we post that on our socials. And kids will be like, I wanna know more about building a shed and turning it into a house, tell me more, right? So what if you came up with some kind of social media campaign? Feel free to steal though it's worth your time. I probably stole it from somebody else, let's be honest. Okay, but here's the big thing. 
We get so caught up in the weeds, we have to celebrate because what you celebrate gets repeated. And that happens across the board. Please celebrate. It's huge. Okay, this is my public service announcement time. I wish there was like some music for it. And I just heard somebody say this to me yesterday, like the tension with sports. I don't feel tension with sports because we should still be supporting those students. Students who are traveling with band, sports, theater, wherever they're doing and not at your church, we cannot send a message of guilt and shame or disappointment that they are not in our church. We cannot do that. Over and over again, this like, oh, tension with sports. Okay, partner, figure it out. And then then don't guilt your kids about it. Because again, mom and dad, whoever's making choices for them. But here's what you can do. Empower them. Help them discover practical ways to make that their mission field. Be like, hey, dude, I know you got baseball every Sunday. I'm so sorry that that's happening. You can't be here. You want to talk about some ways that you could do that? Like while you're there? All right, what if we help more students serve in their schools? I love school partnerships, and I would talk about it all day long. It's so important. A lot of schools in our area have community gardens, right? What does it look like to serve? Community gardens are huge here. You could sponsor a garden box, cultivate the vegetables, pick them and take them to a food desert, right? Like support community things. Playground maintenance is huge. Hosting the teacher lounge, oh my gosh, if you pimp out the teacher lounge, that is huge. Get them cheerleaders, right? They can do all the fun things. If you're not sure if there's anything around you or around the schools to get students involved in, there is a website called dosomething.org and that has a million ideas on ways to serve. They even give you charities and ideas. They can connect you with different leaders. All right, what if we changed our language and painted a verbal picture of what could be? If we're going to change our measurement from sitting to serving, that's really only a value, right? So how do you really do that? In order to do that, you have to do a language shift, right? It can seem really small, but this is a huge deal. Instead of saying, oh, come and get involved, right? We need to change our words because words matter. They inspire and motivate, right? They can change a person's direction. And we got to stop telling generations that they're the future of the church. We gotta, they're the church right now. And I know you all know that. So instead of at the end of your youth night, I assume you say this, I, most people do. See you next week. Bring a friend, right? We say those things. What if we changed it to, here's a challenge for how we're going to try and serve someone this week. There are a hundred ways to serve, but our faith community, here's what we're going to do. And every week you ended with this challenge. Instead of, hey, see you next week. Bring a friend. The language shift, getting people involved, we need to... Just scrap that. We need to empower people to lead and serve. Those are the words, empower people to lead and serve. Y'all don't have to be in charge of everything. Let other people lead. That's really how you take this to the next level.
how often are our systems, strategies, and structures designed merely to get people involved in programs instead of empowering them to lead and serve? That's a, that's a touchy question. Y'all, I say this, I do this, I've done this wrong so many years. I don't stand in front of you knowing this and practicing it. I just practice, right? Like I try these things and I hope that you will try them too. All right, so final thoughts. I have a couple more questions to kind of wrap us up. Are we making it a priority in our ministries, in our churches, that the next generation has opportunities to begin having an impact right now? Right, is that a priority? Or is it a supplemental thing on the side that if someone shows enough interest, we'll figure out how to make it happen? Are you waiting for three or four kids to make that decision and then you're like, yeah, I'll figure it out then. Like if I have enough interest, I will, right? How many times do we do that? We hesitate to sign up for mission trips. We hesitate to sign up for retreats because we don't know what the interest is. But you have to change that culture, right? You have to actually take the steps and just bet on it. The first time we did missions, we went to Puerto Rico Everybody's really nervous, right? Um, like four kids went. We spent all the money. We went there with four kids because the next year 40 kids went, right? So sometimes you have to put yourself out there and just commit to it and then, again, celebrate it, right? And then begin cultivating that. Is it known in your church to the families and students, hey, serving's just what we do. Right? When people are on the ball field and parents are talking to other parents, you should check out our church. This is just what we do. I'm helping a church hire, and I was asking them about their church, and all they could talk about was all their service. And they're like, well, I guess that's all we're about. And I'm like, that's all you're about? That's killer. Like, you need to highlight that on the job description because the right person's going to come in and love that. Can we help our students understand that outside the walls of the church, how can we help them understand their role as a leader in their teams, their neighborhoods, their friends, their schools, their community? Do they see something, want to make a difference, bring it to you, and you're like, let's figure out how to make it happen, right? Help them with that. Remember that every teenager is human and every teenager is made in the image of God. When you give them opportunities to do good, it can change how they see themselves and how they see God. As a parent, I've seen that so much. Okay. It is hard to come to conferences and hear all the things. It's hard to come to a church. My church would fit in this room, I swear. Um, I never had a youth space. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You come here and you're like, wow, I wish I could have that. I don't know where he's at, but there's this really, he's a young leader and he was like, wow, he came in here and I was like, that's right, it's pretty awesome. You don't need all this. You don't need it. And you don't need to like take all these questions and think, oh, I'm failing at this. Just start thinking about it. Take the questions back and start thinking about how can we make a shift in culture? 
Because it doesn't happen overnight, right? Because culture doesn't happen overnight. But just start taking steps to bring some of these ideas into your ministries. Because I know you, leaders, I know you. You do not want to spend all of your heart and soul for kids to leave and just say, oh, that was really fun when I was in youth group, right? That's not what we're wanting to do. We want to make an impact. And I think it has to be more than just camps and fun events. We want to thank Charlie for helping us rethink how we mobilize the next generation to serve. If you like this episode, we'd also love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love this review by Schlepp72. Schlepp said, wow, I'm heading into youth group ministry and I'm loving listening to your podcast to help understand what my role is in these children's lives and in their families' lives. Keep up the hard and good work, you guys and gals. Thanks for the review. We'd love for you to join us at Orange Tour to continue learning what it means to lead humans. Go to orangetour.org to save your seat for our one-day training event for leaders and volunteers in a city near you. We'll see you next time on the Think Orange podcast. Orange Tour.